Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Digital Grocer Season 4, Episode 10. I'm your host, Sylvain Perrier, President and CEO of Mercatus. And joining me, as always, is our fearless VP of Marketing. Fearless. Mark, fearless. Fearless. <laughs> fearless. Mark Fairhurst. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? It's, it's, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. The country is opening up. I think I don't. I I don't know anymore at this slowly. point. Slowly, very very slowly. very slowly, very slowly. Yep. It's incredible the pandemic what it's done. I've completely lost all of my hair. I am finding myself looking like you more and more every day. Welcome to the evolved state. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> feels good. I feel great about it. Good. Good. So, Mark, one thing that we've been discussing on more than one occasion, and certainly on in our videos, in our podcast, we've actually written yep. this on our blog, has been, you know, Sobeys and the introduction of the Voila service and the impact is, it's had on Canada and just in general, the world of e-commerce in our country. We're also talking about Kroger and what they're doing. We're also kind of touching base, you know, and we did this a little bit, is yep. the company behind the scenes that's kind of doing all the magic, and that is Ocado. And it's just amazing the things that they've done around CFCs, around robotics te technology, even the delivery trucks, I, I believe yep. anyways, that come straight to, to our doors here in, in the outskirts of Toronto. I, I think we're both fans of the experience, yep. and uh, it's okay. It's okay to be fan of uh, of other e-commerce providers you know and and to point out what's what's what they're doing right yeah absolutely and innovation is the key here yeah. at the end of the day you know we're all working together to to go you know and, and service those consumers so i mean i'm a big fan of of, of the idea of you no know, multi-competitors and innovation and so on now to help us dig really deep into this and to learn more about Akato, we have a really special guest, and he is joining us directly from the UK. Uh, and his name is David Hanneman Evans, and he is the Senior VP of North America for Okado Solutions. David, how are you today? Very well. Hi, Savan. Hi, Mark. Good to see you both. Good to, likewise, it's good to have you. Thank you for joining. I, yeah. I feel as though I'm. I feel as though I'm thing between the fearless twins right now. So. <laughs> yes, the joke. The joke is we were separated at birth, like five years though apart. Yeah, yes, yes. Apparently, no. We we get stopped quite often at at trade shows and at airports, and people asking us if we're related, and you know we're not. In any case, that's not why we're here. It's not to talk, talk about our lineage. I'm. We're really curious, David. Um, you've been with Ocado for quite some time. C can you share with our audience the history of, of the organization? Yeah, sure. So the Ocado, the Ocado name has been around now for just over 20 years. We started in 2000. Um, we started life actually to take advantage of this growing thing called the Internet. Um, so we started life as a grocery retailer. Um, the only difference between us and many of our competitors who already existed is that everything we do is online uh, and we have no physical stores. Um, I think as we all know on this, uh, on this session right now, grocery retail is very much a high volume, low margin business. 
And when you add online services to that, particularly online services with home delivery, it, there's even more challenge, uh, and particularly from a cost perspective, because all you really are doing is adding costs to provide those extra services. So in the early days, Ocado set about really finding a different way of operating, one, would, one which would encourage the domination of cost, but at the same time deliver a really compelling proposition for the customer, uh, who, who of course are critical in this. Um, and the way Ocado started to develop was very much predicated on three central tenants. One being the aggregation of activities, two, automating where it made sense to automate to become more efficient, and three, really embracing technology. Um, embracing technology for the purposes of optimizing operations, but also to deliver that uh, really compelling customer experience. Um, the only challenge was that a lot of the existing technologies out there and some of the early ones we started to, to use in the business just weren't that suitable for the vagaries uh, and the significant challenges of grocery. And it was in those earlier years that we started to um, develop our own technologies, uh, first by starting to write the software required end-to-end so from commerce and all the smarts that go into the commerce platforms uh, through to all of the operating and control software required in our warehouses through to the, the last mile. So route optimization and routing engines as well to, to really optimize uh, the activities. Those uh, technologies are applied to our retail business that we are continue to operate here in the UK, but increasingly in more recent years, we have been applying those technologies in partnership to some of the biggest grocers around the world. Um, and uh, obviously in North America, you've named our, our partners with Sobeys in Canada and uh, the Kroger company in the US. Uh, and today we continue to evolve that platform, that suite of technologies uh, across with an end-to-end -end approach um, to, to really develop uh, the ability to have a, a effectively a very flexible ecosystem of capabilities uh, for our partners' benefit. Yeah, I, I love I love the fact that you said the flexible ecosystem. I think that's so critical when you're servicing large retailers and and being responsive to their needs, the dynamics in the market, and so on. I'm curious to understand, David uh, and Mark, and I have written about the Sobe CFC, it, it's a, when you drive by it, it's a monster. And so what's the advantage of a CFC as well as picking and packing using, you know, the robotics technology that you've developed? Yeah, Sylvan, I mean, it is, it, it is, it is big. Um, it's not the biggest one we've built. Oh. Uh, we, we have one in here in the UK that is operating right now, uh, just outside London, which is, um, just over three times the size of the one in Toronto. So uh, it's it's uh, it's big, but there are bigger ones that, wow. that exist. There are also smaller ones, uh, and I and I think that smacks of the flexibility here in in the capabilities. So uh, we we do build uh, CFCs or customer fulfillment centers, and they they do vary quite greatly in in size. So uh, they scale down and they scale up. I think coming to the, the benefits, I think the, the there's really two core objectives here. One, one is to 
is all about cost domination. It is around how do you become more efficient? Because unless you can make changes in the value chain, in that value cost chain, i.e. by reducing the costs, uh, there's no, it's very challenging to, to run a sustainable online business in, in grocery. So one is around efficiency and, and reducing cost. The second is around enabling um, a really good customer proposition. And just a couple of examples of each of those. How, how, what are the benefits for uh, on the economic side? Well, one, with greater visibility over um, inventory control, better forecasting, um, you can drive much lower waste, for example. Um, typically in the grocery industry, waste is running at two and a half to three and a half percent of sales. Um, uh, certainly in our own experience in our UK retail business, it's running at 0.4% of sales, so very significantly less. Um, and, and that for many grocers is the difference between running a profitable and an unprofitable business. So, you know, that's just one example there. I think on the customer side, having the ability to have much better, come back to stock control, visibility over the stock gives the retailer much more visibility over um, how they, what products they can show to the customer, the availability, and customers having much better surety of getting all of the items that they've ordered. And because there's far fewer touch points over the products, having products which are um, arguably much fresher than they could even achieve by going to the store themselves. So just a, a couple of the examples across both the efficiency and the, the customer experience. That's, that is amazing. So. I'm curious in, in asking you this this next question. Now we and we live this when we onboard a new retailer because it's it's a big change when you're you're deciding to go do e-commerce. And I can imagine when a retailer partners with Ocado, it's an, likely an even bigger change. And what do they have to do to adapt to this technology that that Ocado's built? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, Savannah. I think the, I think the biggest thing is, is a, a shift in mindset. Uh, and I think the, look, it's, it's, it's one thing to believe that e-commerce is just going to be an edge case, uh, an increment, you know, um, a marginal activity around what all retail, all grocery retailers have come to know. And that's the, the you know, the big box um, supermarket, certainly here in uh, certain markets. I think as we have seen, and I think as the last 18 months have demonstrated, um, e-commerce was growing quickly anyway, but I think the pandemic has only accelerated this. And we've seen this across multiple, multiple markets, every market that um, has organized grocery. So I think there's there's a mindset shift to, to thinking around what are the challenges and how do we embrace those challenges? And we talked about the fact that you know, grocery is very high volume, low margin. And if all you do is add more cost bases onto that, then that's not going to drive to a sustainable model. So it becomes a, an approach of having a very sort of forensic approach to each part of the value chain. And actually, how can, how can technology help to optimize you know, each part of that value chain? Because really, you're trying to address it, every element of it. Um, very much on an end-to-end -end approach. 
So it's not one thing to just think about your fulfillment. You've got to be thinking about how your fulfillment links into your last mile and how this is all impacted by the customer behavior, how they're adding to basket. So I think retailers that really sort of embrace that thinking early are, um, are going to be much better placed to uh, think through both the challenges and, and how to overcome those challenges and best take advantage of the technologies available. So I'm, I'm curious, so, and I'm, I'm going to be curious all the way through this interview in any case, Mark and I always talk about this, the European, the UK perspective mm-hmm. to, to e-commerce and you know, in, in my travels, whether I'm visiting a Tesco, a Sainsbury, or I'm in France, I'm at an Auchan. And even when I go to a Migros in, in Istanbul, I'm always, I'm, I'm always, I always say to myself, these guys are at the forefront of innovating in terms of trying new things where I think here in North America, when it comes to grocery technology, sometimes maybe we're, we're not necessarily the leaders. Now that may, that might have changed in the last 18 months. But I, I want to get, you know, since you're, you're from the UK, I want to get what's your perspective and you're seeing the differences between our two continents. Yeah, Savannah, it's a great, great question and, and one people often ask. Um, I, th- I, think, I think the industry itself has obviously evolved over time and continues to evolve over time. You, you talked about um, different, different retailers or different formats being at the forefront of change. Um, I think it's, it's worth remembering that you know, 50, 60 years ago, the formats that we see commonplace everywhere, i.e. the supermarket or the hypermarket, didn't exist then so there's obviously been you know there are changes over time and there are channel shifts over time uh, as well i think when it comes to thinking around uh, uh, north america there, there's a few you know there's a few myths that, that i will refer to but i mean fundamentally human beings are very rational so the dna of grocery shopping you know, it's similar. That, you know, there are some subtle differences along the way, but fundamentally, what do what do customers want uh, from their grocery um, experience? So they want to have choice. So they want a good assortment. Uh, they want fresh product. Um, they want competitive prices, um, but they want good service. And, and particularly when it comes to online, because you know, if the service is lousy, no one's going to use it. Um, and if a service is lousy, but someone else is offering a better service, guess where they're going to go? Um, so I think that, that is common across whether you're looking at the UK, France, uh, the US, Canada. Uh, and bear in mind, we're, we're also partnered, not just in the Western world. We, we, we have partnerships in, in Asia and Australasia as well. Um, but, you know, that, the DNA of the customer is pretty similar across those areas. I think coming to some of the suggested differences i mean there's there's I mean, everyone knows the uk is a small island somewhere across the the atlantic from north america um we a uh, small island with a, a big population and and i think that goes to one of the suggestions that you know particularly in the us and canada you've got large land masses and and you know more people more people but you you can spread well in canada's case actually less people in a, a, a much larger land mass but so the density, the suggestion is that the population density is much lower. What is 
true, however, is that actually in across North America, you have, you know, pockets of large urban conurbations. You know, it's it's not evenly distributed across your great land masses. Um, so you've got very big metro areas um, which are, you know, ripe for this sort of service um, to, to be delivered uh, there. I think just to touch on one of the other often uh, purported differences, um, there's, there's a common belief that uh, in, in North America, and particularly in the US, you know, people like the motor car. Oh, we do have cars in the, in the UK as well, albeit on average, they're a little bit smaller. Um, but, uh, and hence, uh, there's this, there has been a common belief that, you know, the market is a pickup market. It's click and collect um, uh, rather than delivery. I think we've always maintained that this is more a function of supply rather than inherent demand for a demand, uh, for a delivery service. And I think, again, I, I point to what's happened over the last 12, 18 months as more and more delivery services have been offered. Guess what's happened? There's been a very, very substantial, significant pickup um, of home delivery demand. Um, so as supply has increased, the proportion of customers taking home delivery uh, has also um, disproportionately increased, i.e. over-indexed. Um, I mean, I think when you think about it, the ultimate service for grocery is direct to the home because ultimately where do customers need and want to have their grocery products in their kitchens and their um, in their larders, in their in, in their bathrooms. That's where the grocery shop ends up. So ultimately, they need it at home. The ultimate service is, is delivery. And so one thing that we noticed in using the Voila uh, by Sobe service, first of all, the quality is, is you're right, it's amazing. Uh, even the drivers are so friendly when they come to your door, and I'm like, where where is this amazing service coming from here in Canada? It's it's nothing that I think we've ever experienced in 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 this space in any case, and I I would say also not even in the hospitality space. But one thing that struck me is this was last week I ordered tomatoes, and they came in packaged quite differently than what you would normally get if I was physically in the store. And are you finding you having to work with retailers to kind of reinvent the packaging of products and make it easier to, to fulfill an order? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, first off, Sylvan, I'm, I'm delighted to hear you're enjoying, and, and Mark, you're enjoying the Voila service. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, um, it, it's, it's great to see um, Sobe's uh, launching and and, um, uh, and really delighting their customers uh, in the Canadian market. I think the the, the question of of uh, working with suppliers is is a great one actually, and and actually more broadly with online uh, itself, there there are great opportunities to be embracing and working much more in harmony with the suppliers in what is becoming much more of a mainstream channel. Um, and that is anything from actually the way products are brought into the supply chain um, and whether that's, uh, a whether that's a combination of 
um, migrating from only having loose product into having the same product, but in, in a package form, whether that is actually looking at packaging per se, because of course, when you're operating out of warehouse environments, there's, there's certain considerations that uh, you can make, which could be very beneficial to both the suppliers and the retailer, actually. So one good example is in a warehouse environment selling to the customer, you don't need to think about having shelf edge packaging. So if suppliers can take out that layer of packaging, it's just saving on waste. Ultimately, it's saving on waste, wasted material, which is a, a any saving in that um, uh, respect is, is a big positive. It's saving on wasted effort, just removing that uh, redundant material. So it's saving for the retailer's time as well. Um, so there's there's elements there as well. Um, but clearly there there are uh, things that both the retailer needs to be considering about as part of their merchandising um, function as well in terms of, you know, that they will be thinking around um, how best to to queue product into a confined spaces. So how, how best to optimize the, the storage, um, pack sizes, uh, and as I, as I say, the packaging itself. That's just fascinating. My last question for you is degree of maturity when you are targeting a specific retailer to work with. Do you find they have to be more mature around technology, more mature around the idea of e-commerce, or um, it doesn't really matter, your, your team is there to educate them and take them through this journey? Yeah, Savan, great, great question. I think without naming specific retailers per se, the if you think about our partners, we, we, we are working with partners today who have been who have had very different sizes of online businesses when we started working with them. So they, they range from those who have relatively had relatively small uh, online activities uh, to those who had already got multi-billion dollar businesses in online. So the range is, is quite dramatic. Um, however, they, they tend to have very common, um, similar traits in, in, in other ways. Um, firstly, they tend to be um, amongst the leaders, uh, amongst the grocery leaders in their market. Um, so they're uh, and with that comes, of course, great insights in terms of what they do really well as grocery retailers. So in terms of merchandising, their relationships with, uh, with the supply base, with, with um, um, consumer uh, suppliers, uh, they obviously have great brand recognition and trust with the customers already. Um, and, um, uh, and they know their customers well. Um, and they have um, good uh, understanding and knowledge of customer uh, behavior and trends uh, in their local markets. So that's one thing that all of our partners have in, in their local markets. And it's one of the reasons that we've gone very much down this partnership model of being able to harness what grocery retailers are already expert in in their, in their markets, because it is Grocery is a very localized business, but being able to harness that with the technology that we can bring. Uh, 
I think the other thing that our partners have in common is that they're they're all I talked before about having this shift of mindset and mm -hmm. they're they're all forward thinkers they're all thinking forward they're not they're not thinking reactively in terms of what what should we do to try and protect our position they're thinking forward in terms of how can we really drive this opportunity because they see the future they can see the I talked about the channel shift over time they can see that this is very much part of that evolution of, of changing channels over time so yes in terms of existing business it can vary quite greatly but in terms of commonality of traits there's quite a lot of similarities that's great david from one member of the commonwealth to another <laughs> thank you so i get i don't get to say this often so i i have to say it so thank you so much for joining us on our show and how do people get a hold of you uh they can find me on linkedin perfect thank you and mark how do people get a hold of us very easily go to digitalgrocer.com and access um, our contact links there. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. And don't forget to keep an eye out for our next episode coming soon. Thank you.